Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Amen. But dear Christian friends, imagine that you are on a blind date. You have swiped right on Tinder. And so now you are sitting across from this person having dinner. It's kind of awkward because this is the first time either one of you has met. And yet things start going better as each of you begin asking questions and then telling stories. You begin connecting in the right ways. And then the other person says to you, I want you to praise me. Tell me how good I am. And so you stumble with some answers. Well, uh, you have some good bone structure, and that's kind of nice in your cheeks. And, oh, uh, you make good eye contact when you're talking, and I appreciate that. And, uh, oh, you chew with your mouth closed. That is really, really nice. And then you don't know what else to say because it's really awkward. So now would you go out on a second date with this person? Probably not. It seems kind of self-serving, a little bit conceited to say, praise me. Well, if it's weird for your blind date to say that you should praise him or her, then why is it okay for Jesus to tell you to praise him? But that's exactly what Jesus does. That's what God does throughout the Old Testament. This people that I formed for myself, God says, will declare my praise. I am the one who creates praise as the fruit of their lips. This is what the Lord says. Make your praises heard. To praise someone means to tell them how good they are. It is to exalt them for what they have done. It is to appreciate how they are so much better at doing things than you are. And this is just one more reason why we hate Jesus. He demands our praise. Our sinful nature doesn't want to give that praise. It wants to receive the praise. Our sinful nature doesn't want to humble itself, but it wants to be exalted. Jesus wants us to constantly be talking and learning and singing about him, but we want to be the center of attention. Here in our gospel lesson, in the gospel of Luke, we are at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He is coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover for the last time. Uh, it is the time of the Passover where the Jews would get together to celebrate this annual feast where they will slaughter a year-old male lamb. They will paint the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes. And then they will roast the lamb and then have a meal of roasted lamb, bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and grape wine. They'll have the meal with their family and friends. This is an annual feast that reminds them that an innocent animal had to die and give its blood so that they might be rescued. And every practicing Jew is supposed to be in Jerusalem for this annual festival. So many camp along the road into Jerusalem up on the Mount of Olives. It's more comfortable there during the day with all of the shade from the palm trees and other trees. Jesus has come to the Passover numerous times before, but those times he came silently and anonymously, but not this time. 
Jesus and his disciples are probably staying in the nearby town of Bethany. They're probably staying with Mary and Martha and their newly resurrected brother Lazarus. And as Jesus and his disciples leave Bethany to go into Jerusalem, Jesus sends two of his disciples to head into the holy city and then to get a donkey for him to ride. Not just any donkey, but a colt, the foal of a donkey. This means that this is an animal that is wild. It is untamed. It has never been ridden before. I'm sure that you've ridden an elephant at the zoo, or your children have ridden on the ponies at the fair. I was able one time to, re- to ride on a camel in the desert of Egypt, and yet none of us would ever ride any of those animals unless they were tamed first. But here Jesus is riding an untamed wild animal, and yet when the Lord of creation sits on this creature, it does not kick, it does not buck. And as Jesus rides into Jerusalem this time, he is not entering silently or anonymously. People begin noticing him, and they begin whispering among themselves on the Mount of Olives, that's Jesus. He healed my brother. I get to go to the temple today because he touched me and cured me of my leprosy. I heard him preach with authority once in the synagogue in Capernaum. He fed my family with fish sandwiches. And then the whispers turn into talk. The talk turns into song, and the song turns into praise. The people recognize Jesus as the king. He is the promised Messiah. He is King David's royal heir. This isn't like being in church. This isn't Lutheran praise where we all just smile as loudly as we can. This is shouting. This is standing. This is cutting down palm branches and waving. It is laying cloaks on the ground. Excitement, exuberant, exultant, excellent praise. Together they are shouting and singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The people are celebrating, but the Pharisees are fuming. They shout at Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. So while Jesus is riding and the people are praising, the Pharisees are shouting over all of that noise saying, Stop it! Jesus, tell them to stop all of this praising. But why would they want the celebration stopped? Well, it's because all of this praise is being directed toward Jesus and they hate Jesus. Besides, praise is supposed to be reserved for God. And they do not think that there is any possibility that Jesus could be the Son of God. And what is Jesus' answer to their demands? He calmly replies, I tell you, if these people would be silent, then the stones would cry out. So if the people are quiet, the stones are going to praise him. Creation is going to praise its creator one way or another. Our sinful nature is very much like the Pharisees of old. It hates to give Jesus praise. 
As we've seen throughout this sermon series during the season of Lent, that we find out all kinds of reasons that our sinful nature hates Jesus because he demands more from us than just going to or watching church. He demands that we love and forgive people when it's hard to love them and forgive them. Plus, Jesus doesn't answer our questions. Our sinful nature doesn't want to give Jesus praise. We want to receive it. We don't want to be humble. We want to be exalted. We don't want others to get the attention. We want to have that attention directed on us. The disciples take off their cloaks and they put them onto the donkeys to make it more comfortable for Jesus to ride. The people take off their cloaks and they place them on the road for the donkey to walk over. They cut down the palm branches and are waving them. And we hate all of this because that means that we have to go above and beyond what we are doing right now. That we need to give Jesus of our times and our offerings and our lives Plus, why should we praise Jesus anyhow? What has he done for us lately? That you ended up in the ER in extreme pain. That your spouse was suddenly taken away from you. That your income is low and your stress level is high. You felt so confined and lonely and depressed this past year. So why does Jesus deserve praise again? But Jesus comes, but Jesus does deserve our praise because he comes so differently than anyone who has ever come before him or who has come after him or who still might come. Jesus does not come to exercise power. He comes to surrender. Jesus does not come to be strong. He comes in weakness. He doesn't come to strike and kill, but he comes to be struck and be killed by those whom he has come to save. He doesn't come to create a war between you and God, but he comes to establish peace between you sinners and your holy Lord. He doesn't come to abuse his power by commands, but to redeem us by keeping all of God's commands in our place. And so he rides on to his death, the lamb who is seated on the donkey. He enters Jerusalem to take away sin's power, to strip death of its horror, and to crush the ancient serpent's head. He comes on Palm Sunday so that he might claim that everything is finished on Good Friday, to sleep in death over the Sabbath, and then to rise triumphantly from the grave on Easter dawn. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus has come to bring us peace. When our lives seem to be lying in ruins like the city of Jerusalem was at the time of Zechariah's prophecy, He came not to conquer our life's difficulties, but he came to crush death's curse over us. He came not to force obedience by the rulers of this world, but to become obedient himself to sinners and to death on the cross. 
He came to purchase the souls of his subjects, you and me. Not with gold or silver, but with the blood of him as God's royal heir. So what could be better than the forgiveness of sins and life eternal? This is the kind of king we have, and these are the real reasons why we have to praise him. These are the reasons why we join with the rest of creation in cheering the Lord of creation. And the thing of it is that Jesus never stops giving. Jesus gives up his heavenly throne and he gives up his earthly life. But he was just getting started. He continues to give to us. He continues to come to us. Not gentle and riding on a donkey, but gentle and coming in coming to us in the simple and humble means of grace, of word and sacrament, that he comes to us in the words of our scriptures, the Bible that so many people feel is so long and boring and complicated and outdated. But that's the way that Jesus comes into our lives and speaks into our ears and into our hearts. He comes to us in the simple means of water and baptism, When that water is connected with God's word, then that is how Jesus conquers dead and sinful hearts and raises them to a new life in Christ. He comes to us in the simple means of bread and wine that with God's word is then connected with the royal body and blood of the Son of God so that Jesus comes to proclaim his death, to conquer our doubts and strengthen our faith. This is how our king comes. This is how our king conquers. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. But like those Pharisees of old, you and I and others do not want to pour out our praise on him. So often we are people who are too busy or too full of ourselves or too cheap to think that Jesus is worth our Time and energy and sacrifices and service and offerings and praise in our daily lives. But Jesus rode into Jerusalem because of these sins. Jesus rode into Jerusalem because of us. And so when we focus this week in all of our varied worship services, that is when we focus on what Jesus did for us and what he continues to do for us. And that changes everything. That we don't have to praise him. We want to praise him. And we want to praise him because we don't want the stones singing out because that would be kind of creepy. Instead, we want to praise him and we don't ever want to stop praising him, giving to him, suffering for him, sacrificing for him, putting our cloaks, our gifts, and our lives out before him. Yes, Jesus demands our praise, but that's because he has earned it. He's not like some doofus that you go out on a blind date with and he or she demands praise for themselves. Now this is is Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and our King. So let's praise him together. Amen.